0: Welcome to Advantage Insight. My name's Wayne. Welcome back, everyone. You may notice my voice is a little messed up, and uh, if you're kind of figuring out the timeline of when this is, you'll kind of figure out when we're doing this recording. But today, uh, it's a little bit of a special recording, and the reason is, is this is a new series uh, that we thought up. Um, It's called Face of the League, and what I'd like to do in this series is speak to some of the Dungeons & Dragons, the D&D Adventurers League administrators. Um, There are six of them. And tonight you're going to hear from some of these people. And the reason for that is basically, I really wanted people to get to know um, these administrators, uh, these people that love D&D as much as you and I do and what they're doing uh, for the League. Also, I know that a lot of people have not had the opportunity to meet them. Now, I've had the pleasure and opportunity to speak with and meet with a few people. And I think it's actually very privileged because these, um, these people are, are really love what they do. Um, but I'm going to turn the mics over to my guest tonight, Greg Marks. Greg, thank you so much for being on the show.
1: Oh, thanks for having me, Wayne.
0: For those who don't know, Greg has actually been on some of the shows in the network before. Uh, you've been on Down With D&D a couple of times as well. Um, but tonight, I get the pleasure of, of talking with, with Greg and specifically talking about himself and his involvement in Adventures League. Let's start off some really basic stuff. Greg, how did you get into D&D? How did you get introduced?
1: In many ways, I guess, as a storyteller, this is a long story, so I'll try and make it uh, at least somewhat brief. Uh, For me, it started at Gen Con, at a Gen Con that was, oh geez, how long ago was it? It was a very long time ago, because it was uh, at the UW Parkside in Wisconsin still. I was six, I believe, and my uh, father and mother had recently gotten divorced. And, uh, my dad had been encouraged to come to this convention thing by some friends of his that were involved in, uh, Civil War reenactment things. Uh, one of his friends was involved in miniature war gaming and wanted him to come and, and check it out. So, uh, I had gone with my dad and I was in the hallway while he was playing some miniature game. And I think I was playing with, I think I was playing with a G.I. Joe or something like that. And this, Big kid came up to me. I realize now he was probably in college. And he's like, kid, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm playing with my GI Joe. And the kid's like, great, come with me. And so he grabs me by the hand, drags me off uh, into another room where there's a guy with a clipboard. And the kid says, this is our alternate. And the guy looks at him with this speculative look on his face, like, really? This is your alternate. And the guy's like, yeah, we can advance now, right? And so, I didn't realize it at the time, but I had just been dragged into round two of the D&D Open as a six-year-old. Whoever their actual sixth person was supposed to be, or seventh person, I suppose it was back then, didn't show. And they didn't have an alternate, so they lied and told them that it was me. And that was my first D&D game. So, uh, the college kid had me sit next to him, and he's like, Here, here's a D20. Roll this when I tell you. You're going to play the Barbarian. And so I was a fighter who, with you know, I I basically like Conan-type character, kicked in a lot of doors, randomly swung a sword around. I thought it was the most amazing thing ever. Uh, Needless to say, we did not advance (laughs) to the final round. But that was my first uh, sort of intro to D&D. Many years later, uh, I would find this mysterious red box in our attic, and my dad would say that uh, he and his cousin had bought it one time when they were... uh, they were out drinking and then went to some game store and thought, oh, you know, let's find out what this is, and they couldn't figure out how to play it, and thus it sat in our attic for a couple of years, till probably I was in middle school or so, and I found it and busted it out and decided ever since then that, hey, I'm going to play some D&D. Wow,
0: well, that's, that's quite a story. Did you at least do well in the open?
1: Oh, I have no idea. I imagine we that I, I probably hurt their chances substantially. <laughs>
0: very good very good so fast forwarding getting right into adventures league how did you become involved in organized play and how did you become an admin uh for al
1: well you're gonna you're gonna interview all the other guys i should say guys and girl uh because of claire and with the exception of claire i've probably been the one who's been around the longest i have been an admin for Uh, So before this, I was an admin for LFR. Before that, I helped run Mark of Heroes, Legacy of Green Regent, Zendrick Expeditions I was an admin for, Living uh, Greyhawk I was an admin for. So I've been an admin for one of WotC's organized play campaigns for 17 years now, now that I think about it.
0: 17 years? Yep. Wow.
1: (laughs) So... it. wasn't really a surprise to me that when the call came out, does anyone want to do this? That I would apply. At the time, our uh, wizard's contact was uh, Chris Tulock, and he had a, in some way, a novel idea. He wanted to get three people who were sort of relatively new, not that they didn't have any experience, but they had a lot less experience, because he had noticed that the admin crews were in some ways aging. Like it was the same old hats sort of over and over again. You know, you the number of times you could count as, you know, Sean Merwin involved or et cetera or myself, you know, is usually the way it went. And so he thought, well I'm gonna get three new guys, and those would be uh Travis, Bill and Robert. And then I'm gonna find three people that are sort of uh old hat that have more experience and have been around longer and For them to be, you know, kind of train up a new generation. It's not really a new generation because we're all roughly the same age, but a new group and sort of expand the number of trained admins that are around. Because we also noticed that there was a tendency for people to burn out. So myself and Claire probably being exceptions to the rule. A lot of people that were, have been around a long time burn out because it's a, it's a really labor intensive position for, well, not for very little remuneration of any kind, other than you love it and you want to do it. So that's pretty much how I got involved with uh, the Adventures League.
0: That's that's quite a story, and I'm sure 17 years you're going <laughs> to, you got a lot of stories, but I don't want to belabor that point because I got to move on and basically have people know you and in your current role. So what's your title? What is your current role as an Adventurers League admin?
1: So my title, uh, I'm the associate resource manager. So uh, Bill Ben and I are, are the resource managers, and that means that we're responsible for scheduling for where the premieres are. We're responsible for the concrete created content program, the uh, one of the more recent expansions of AL. Uh, We're also responsible for helping conventions get their premieres, get access to things. Basically, if you're an organizer, that's sort of Bill and I, as opposed to, say, Claire and Travis, who do a lot more of the editing, or uh, Robert and Alan, who do a lot more of the social media, a lot more of the community side of things. That said, just because someone has their niche doesn't mean you don't sort of do the other things. In in many cases, it's all hands on deck, like uh, before a big convention... You know there's a good chance that everybody is reading over the epic to see if they can help out you know catch errors or whatnot and just as many people answer Facebook questions about you know a con trying to get something as I do I'm sure
0: you have talked about your specific role mm-hmm. in general as a representative of al what do you feel your role is
1: I guess it's mostly to make sure that people play d and d right I mean that's what we're really here for we're trying to make sure that the most people as possible get an opportunity to make good stories together. And in many ways, when you think about what we're doing with AL, what we're really trying to do is we're trying to make it easier on folks. I mean, you certainly can just play D&D at home, right? You can play with your, your friends and you can be done there. However... A lot of people don't have groups. Maybe they don't live by a lot of people or maybe they travel a lot and need to go to conventions. That's a spot where organized play comes in. Or also maybe, you know, your friends are very spread out or you like to play at different stores or you just like to see different things. That's another situation where AL's a a real advantage. So for us, we want to be creating cool stories that people want to play. We want to give people an opportunity to play. And at the same time, Provide materials to make it easier on you. So, two good examples. Our adventures, we try to include, and we're, we're doing this even more now, uh, advice to the DM. So maybe you're a, you have a group, you want to run with your normal group, but you don't have time to do lots of prep. Well, we've got adventure. It's written for you. It, some of the, you know, more challenging parts are called out with some advice on what to do if you get into trouble. So basically, we've provided most of the the legwork for you. You just have to show up and and run it for your friends. On the player side, another thing that we do is we want to make sure that your character can travel. So the whole purpose of any organized play campaign is really to come up with some sort of bare minimum rules that we'll all sort of agree on. So like as an example, AL uses uh, point by or standard array. We don't roll for stats. And we don't roll for stats because, if you think about it, you would normally roll and your DM would be there or your friends would be there or whatever, and you, there is, to some extent, an equal footing. If you are random player, Joe Blow, you're going to go to a different store you've never been to. They weren't there when you rolled up your character. So if you do point by, everybody's on the same st- uh, standing. And just by providing a few of those sort of minimum rules calls we sort of help make it easier to move between groups. That's another part of what I'd say my role is.
0: That's perfect. Now I'm going to get into some of the harder questions. And I guess the hardest question I, I can ask you is, what is the most difficult, what is the hardest thing about being an admin for what essentially is the largest organized play campaign in the world?
1: The hardest thing, and I'm sure you've heard this from other admins too, is it's probably the meeting expectations that in an internet age, the players assume, well, I send in a an email and you'll just respond to me and I'll get an answer in like five minutes and not realizing that none of the admins actually do this as their job, right? We're all sort of con- volunteer slash contractors. It is often the case where someone will be like, well, I need this in an hour, and there's just no way anyone's going to get back to him in an hour because everybody's at work. And so that's sort of a, that expectation that in, in an internet age that we're going to respond immediately, that we're sitting there on the other side of a computer waiting for you to, to have an issue. And I think a lot of people also don't realize that we're not full-time employees, A lot of people assume that, hey, you know, they're the official folks for Wizards, so therefore we are sitting at a desk somewhere and we're doing this for a living, and that is not true. Uh, I I know, like, for example, I'm a teacher, so in the middle of the day, I have classes to teach, right? So that doesn't mean that I won't answer some questions in the middle of the day, because everybody has a few minutes of downtime here and there, but that sort of expectation is probably the hardest thing to deal with.
0: I can definitely see that being an issue, and I'm... Obviously, people, you know, if you're on Facebook, you can see some of the questions and responses um, as the day goes on. What do you feel? So moving on, just what do you feel is the best or the most fun thing about being an admin?
1: Uh, It's definitely one of two things. Either it's the chance to tell cool stories, because frankly, sometimes we do get to tell really cool stories, things that we get to try out ideas that we want to try out. Or it's the relationships, uh, people you meet that you wouldn't have otherwise met. There's a lot of people that I know now uh, from going to lots of cons all over the country, uh, from getting involved in being an admin. Like, for example, uh, a friend of mine, Rob Schwab, who from Schwab Entertainment, uh, wrote a great game, Shadow of the Demon Lord. I wouldn't know him if not for doing this sort of thing. And so, and there's lots of other friends, even friends that are are closer to home that I, I probably wouldn't know if I wasn't going to stores and local cons and whatnot and trying to, you know, make sure everybody's got everything they need, and thus people see my face and know who I am. It's, it's one of those two things: either it's tell the cool story, or it's all the cool friendships and and great people you get to meet.
0: I actually met you for the first time at QCC last QCC. year. QCC. Yep. Yeah, we got to um, we got to talk a little bit over wings if yep. I remember correctly. <laughs> very, very close to the most fun thing. What is the most thankful thing or the best story you have about being an admin?
1: For me, I guess when I was a, a teenager, I wanted to get into the role-playing business. And I knew that it would be hard to do. And so I started you know, going to cons and running games. And at first, I wasn't even running organized play games. I was writing my own thing, doing my own games at at Gen Con and the like. Now, I have several hundred writing credits, uh, many of them on, on published products, not just organized play adventures, and for a wide variety of things. So, for me, it was an intro into a game industry that I probably wouldn't have been able to get otherwise. So few people actually get the chance to do these things. And getting involved in organized play let me meet a lot of great people who also at the same time pretty much helped me realize that it wasn't the thing that I was going to actually do with my life. It was a thing I was going to do in addition to whatever the thing is I was going to do with my life. And I might not have known that. A lot of people uh, think that there is big money in role-playing games, or that this is going to be the way. I I hear all the time, oh, well, if only I caught a break, you know, I'd be making hundreds of thousands of dollars. I'd be selling, you know, millions of this book that I would write. Yeah, that's not true. (laughs) (laughs) As I'm sure a lot of the listeners know, gaming is pretty a niche market. And then you're on top of that your one game system, and then you are putting out, you know, involved in one product in that one game system in that little niche. It's not a giant cash cow. So it's super fun. Like I love doing it. But those people that I got to meet also helped me realize that, you know, I need to also actually find a real career that I love at the same time. And thankfully, I was able to do that.
0: That's sounds like a great story. Really great advice too. I think we've kind of covered some of this, but outside of this, what do you think is the most important thing that someone should know about you? So the next time someone meets you at a convention or shakes your hand and says something, what do you think they should know before they start speaking with you?
1: That's a difficult one. I guess that I'm I'm always willing to listen to whatever their suggestion or criticism or request is. I mean, I'm happy to chat with them. I can't guarantee that I can always do what you want. And another thing that you might want to, you may not know about the admins, but we're usually working about two seasons from the season that's currently premiering. So if I often get this like, hey, I have this idea. Can you fix this thing? Yeah, that's a good idea. We should fix that thing it'll happen two seasons from now cuz we've already finished everything between now and then and we're not going to go back and and redo an entire season to fix that thing uh just cuz there wouldn't be time so that's a thing that i think people are not aware of the sort of timelines we're working with like we're in the middle of season 5 is coming to an end now we're as the admins we're really in the thick of it for putting out season 6 we're already working on season 5 we're having some dis- or sorry 7 we're having some discussions about Season 8. So from a a thing that you need to know if you are someone who has a request for AL, realize our timeline. We're like a year and a half ahead of you for where things are. As for what you might want to just know if you just want to talk to me about not gaming things, I have a PhD in biochemistry. So I'm, I'm clearly a science person, despite being involved in a highly creative you know, writing heavy sort of uh, side career thing here.
0: That moves perfectly into the next question is outside of D&D, role-playing games in general, what do you do? What do you do to relax? What does your daily day look like without D&D and without work?
1: The last two years or so, there has been a lot less outside of D&D and work. I haven't had as much of that. I mean... I do occasionally like to watch, you know, the occasional Netflix or something like that, but, you know, I read a lot. Sometimes I I do the occasional skiing. Truthfully, the amount of time it takes to write and uh, edit all the stuff we've been doing lately has been uh, absorbing a lot of my time in the the more recent past. That and con appearances.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Other than D&D, what are you playing?
1: Oh, Sure. I think, actually, the thing I am most interested in in the immediate future is uh, Starfleet Adventures, the new Star Trek. I think, or it's actually, it's called Star Trek Adventures, I think it is, from Mophidius. They're uh, in a playtest mode right now, but they're going to be putting out a new uh, a new version of that game, of the Star Trek system.
0: Yep, they're going to have an uh, organized play campaign as well. They are. Yep. And uh, someone we both know was going to be running that.
1: Yeah, I know. I'm writing for it, so that's uh, <laughs> how I'm sort of in- involved in it. But that one's pretty exciting. I mean, I play the occasional... Uh, I You know, I play some Pathfinder, some Shadow of the Demon Lord. I've, in the past, played probably about 70% of the role-playing games that have ever existed. A group that I meet with, I used to play with every weekend. Now we play about once a month we used to regularly devote half a year to a campaign and then the other half a year playing a different game system every weekend and so we would we would go through lots of different games so i've tried a lot of stuff
0: that sounds pretty good sounds pretty a lot of fun
1: yep i'd say and you know board games video games movies hanging out with friends you know just being social you don't in many ways playing these role playing games is a is an excuse to get together with a group of people right and so I don't always get together with them and play role-playing games. You know, there's, you know, going out, hanging out, seeing seeing movies together or, you know, just enjoying other you know company, uh, watching some football. That's a good popular choice.
0: Sounds like a lot of fun. Basically, final question for me, is there any cause or organization, maybe charity that you support that you want to kind of talk about and let people know and be aware of?
1: that's a good one. Which one would I choose? That's rough too. Uh, When I was younger, I was definitely involved in scouting. I think that's a a pretty valuable one to think about for uh, children nowadays. There's uh, another one called, I think it's called Women in Bio. It's a STEM outreach for girls. I've been involved obviously as a teacher and there's a lot of pretty intelligent young women in our future. And I think that we could do well with uh, getting more STEM education from whichever chair do you think is the right way to do it. Uh, I think there's another one called Girl Start. There's another one called um, Slip in My Mind. But I've done a lot of those through the American Chemical Society and and others, too. So, uh, Operation Smart, that's what I'm thinking of. All of those are are great ways to increase the diversity in our, our country's science future. I end up with I have all these uh, super bright young women who are are learning about science and somehow a good portion of them never actually go into science despite getting involved in science. And I think uh, that that's a area that we could do better at, especially because we're, you know, depriving ourselves of so many bright young people who could do a great job for us. So that's another good one to to think about.
0: That's awesome. And. The very last thing, a little bit of an open forum here. Is there anything you want to maybe have any comments or something you want to say to the audience and say to the people who enjoy and love AL from the beginning to now and in the future?
1: Uh Yeah, definitely. Get involved. A lot of people say, you know, I want to be uh, some sort of uh, coordinator for a convention or I want to get involved writing or I want to get involved somewhere. So. The easiest way to do that is to start local. I mean, for me, it was in some ways a little different because Gen Con just happened to be in my backyard at the time. But even from that, I just started going to local small conventions, and that's how I met people. A lot of the, the names you think about as big game designers nowadays, I mean, I knew them when we were kids. I mean, they were other people I met at cons. And so if you want to get involved in an organized play campaign on a bigger level, start local. Go to your con, your local cons. They need DMs. We can't do this without DMs. And, and, you know, you don't even have to judge D&D. If you want to go judge Shadowrun or Call of Cthulhu or, you know, whatever whatever makes you happy, they're all good games. And I'm not concerned about any sort of addition or system worrying. Like, I want to play them all. So... You know, go play whatever one you do. It just grows our hobby in general, so it's good for everybody. And then once you do, you'll meet people. And then volunteer to do things. Don't assume that you're going to get the spot right away to be an author. Don't assume you're going to immediately get to, you know, run some big part of the country for the campaign. And work your way up, right? I mean, you it's the way it is with any kind of organization. You volunteer local, then you volunteer regionally. Maybe you say, I'm going to run at Gen Con or Origins for, like, bald man games. And, you know, get involved that way. Or maybe you want to be an agent for Catalyst and and run some Shadowrun missions. Or you want to be a cultist for Chaosium. Or you want to be whatever. Venture officer of some type for Paizo. Whatever it is. Get involved, volunteer, and you know, put in your experience. I get a lot of people who ask to write and you don't necessarily have to have a gaming experience to write. We've had people who have written in the past and have done really well. But it helps to know something about the interest about the industry. It helps to know something about how cons work, how stores get content, all that sort of thing. And the more you know, the more likely you are to be able to to tell a story that's not only good, because lots of people can write a good story, but also tell a story that's going to fit the kind of niche that organized play campaigns really do service. And that's your, your local store, that's your convention, that sort of thing. So I guess that's my biggest suggestion or advice to people who want to get involved.
0: That sounds great. And uh, I hope all you listeners, you, you've heard that and uh, take that advice to heart if you want to be involved. Greg, if people want to talk to you and want to pick your brain, uh, how's the best way to contact you?
1: There's uh, several ways. Uh, you can email me, find me on Facebook at Greg Marks. Uh, I'm on all the various AL ones. You can find me in uh, Google Plus is off, in the same. Probably the best way, if you ro- really want to get a hold of me, is to follow me on Twitter. That one is going to be scared the green as well, except, and I regret this now, it's Skerritt 7H3 Green. <laughs> yeah. It's poor choice, but at the time, I didn't think I was going to be giving it out at on lots of podcasts.
0: <laughs> no problem. We will have a link in the show notes for that. Greg, thank you so much for coming out. I hope all the listeners got a little bit of a glimpse at one of the admins that everybody talks to and everybody asks questions from and just gets to know um, Greg as Greg as I've gotten to know him a little bit rather than the Associate Resource Manager of Adventures <laughs> League. Yeah. Just a quick note, everyone. Adventure Insight is a Misdirect Mark production, the media arm of imported Designs. Again, Greg, thank you so much for coming out.
1: Oh, you're welcome. Good to be here.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much for taking about half an hour out of your time and just talking with us. And um, I um, wish you the best of luck in AL, and I'm definitely going to see you around.
1: Yeah, sure. I'm happy to come on whenever you need another voice.
0: Sounds good. And just a quick note, Greg will be coming on to the show uh, later on in the year. Uh, We have a special uh, series and project uh, in the works for that, but I won't say anything quite yet until we start recording that.
1: Looking forward to that one.
0: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Until then, everybody have a great day, have a great night or morning, whenever you're listening to this. And thanks for listening. Bye-bye now.
1: Bye-bye.